2: all
1: all right now it's the Renegade game. The It's the people's radio. It's already dealing in your headphones. Allow me to introduce.
2: The, the illustrious
1: queen and the- mm-hmm. who is the game changer. The seventh, Jackson. D.
2: Will. The ill executive. He's
1: like, he's like Sue Knight without the anger management issues. Bill P. The sports PhD. This dude is coming like at you from all angles. Got, he's got all the covers covered. Uh, There's not a whole lot about forces,
0: brother, don't know.
1: Can you dig it, it, sucker? Featuring Ray, Justin Page, Eric
2: Hamilton. R.C. fam is like, I, I, I blame it on that kingdom. There's
1: definitely a gin party around here. Definitely a gin party. Don't bring any Kool-Aid. It don't get no better than this, baby. I want
2: winners. You better act
1: like this.
2: Pick it up a little bit, okay? Get your chin up. Smile. Smile. Anybody can be beat.
0: Don't
2: get no more real
1: up. Welcome to the Real Sports Guys, where real guys talk real sports. RSC, Renegade Radio, brought to you by Resistance Digital. The fellas are back in the house. The three-man booth is back in full effect. First off, I'd like to say you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate your patronage. I am your host, Marcus the Game Changer, and one-third of the illustrious three-man booth. Now, before we get into the proceedings this evening, allow me to introduce my comrades to my right, I got my man, 100 grand, D. Wills, holler at the people.
2: Man, I feel bad. I feel good. I'm back. It's been a great week of sports, man. I feel like I'm home again, uh, back in the mix, man. I'm good to be here. I'm excited about what we're going to talk about this week.
1: Yes, sir. We got a lot to get into a Super Bowl week, and so we got a great show in store for you. But before we get into all of that good stuff, that we have for the uh the renegade family out there, the renegade fans out there. I gotta bring in my man, Phil T Sports PhD. What's happening, Captain?
0: Hey, what's up man? It's it's great show last week with Justin Page. Thanks for uh pinch hitting. Uh Devon, it's uh it's great to have you back and uh welcome mm-hmm. back Otter.
2: Thank you, thank you.
1: Yes sir. So we back at it as always, this portion of the show is known as the intro to let, them, let you know. So we're going to go ahead and jump right in, all right? So first thing we got in store is we're going to have a conversation, funky editorial, like we always do. We're going to get into this Super Bowl. Super Bowl wins can elevate people. Um, they, they, they have a, a tremendous impact on how we view athletes, organizations, um, teams, etc. And so we're going to talk about and have a conversation about the uh, potential impact this particular Super Bowl and a Super Bowl win can have for different, different folks participating in this year's Super Bowl from the Seahawks and the Denver Broncos. After that, we're going to talk some NFL football, get into the Super Bowl matchups, some key matchups for the Super Bowl, talking about the impact of the weather, the potential impact. Is it overrated? Is it underrated? What do we think about the impact of weather? And then this idea of expanding the playoffs. Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? We're going to get into all of that as well. Uh, then we're going to hit you with some NBA talk, talking about Kevin Durant, who is on fire. Kevin Durant is tearing the league up right now. Is it time when we start to op- reopen the conversation of who's the best player in the world? We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to uh, debate that for a bit. The real guys are going uh, the real sports guys are gonna bounce that around for a minute, see what comes out, and then we're approaching the end of an era. David Stern will be stepping down as commissioner of the NBA in the next coming weeks. Uh, we're just going to go down memory lane and, and talk about things that we will remember uh, the Stern era for. Also give you some thoughts on Melo's 62-point uh, his sixty-two point game. Um, what does it mean? Where are we at with that? You know, where are we at with the Knicks situation? Also talking about some players who maybe it's time for their organization to trade them. Uh, we're going to offer some different opinions on that. Uh, And then, you know, we're going to hit you with our dog of the week So that's the show uh, Real nice and sweet We're going to go deep tonight We don't have a lot of topics But we're going to really dig in and go deep on the ones we got So, with no further ado We're going to get right into it Break it down You know, I know you all out there wondering Why are you spending so much time on the intro. Here we go, let's get it done
0: Fellas, one thing we need to say Yes, Shall we say, it, y'all? Yes, Melvin, right, Jimmy, right, Coleman, yeah, Rhymes, sit. Yeah. Everybody wanna get funky one more time. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Jamaica's
1: good. Yeah. Jamaica's very good.
0: <laughs> A little
1: Linux for you. A little Linux for you to bring us into the funky editorial. This edition of the Funky Editorial, we will dig in. You know, Super Bowl win changes everything. It changes how we view quarterbacks. It changes your standing in history. It changes how we view defensive players, defensive units, coaches. So, thinking about this potential Super Bowl win, whose perception is it going to change the most? I'm going to give you some names, and I want you to give me your, your perception of how this particular Super Bowl win or a Super Bowl win in general Will affect how you view This particular person All these folks are involved with this This season, this upcoming Super Bowl So they got a a little bit on the line As far as how the real sports guys Will view them going forward The first person I'm going to throw out I'm going to throw this one out to D. Will Is Pete Carroll Now Pete Carroll's bounced around the league um, For quite some time Before leaving And going and taking A USC job now, at USC, he experienced great success, great success. Dude put in work. He took that program, put it back on the map, put it at the top of the college football world. Then, you know, stuff started getting a little uh, little grindy out there in the streets, and, um, you know, NCAA came poking their nose around, and whether related or unrelated, Pete skipped time. <laughs> Pete packed up and got out before stuff hit the fan, which is move on his part. Yeah. Now he's with the Seahawks, and he's turned around an organization really quickly. He's turned around an organization that was uh, struggling very fast, and now he has them in a Super Bowl. So how does this change how we view Pete Carroll if the Seahawks win the Super Bowl? D wills. Pete Carroll, in your mind, how does, how does the Super Bowl win change your perception?
2: Well, I mean, you think about—he um, had a sour taste in his mouth when he, with his, his run with New England and the Jets, and you know, went to USC and people are very, um, you know, aware of what success he had. And, and his exit, his exit was, you know, part of some of the things that were bubbling. But I also think, you know, I also thought that he always had, much like you might think Saban might, this bad taste in his mouth about his NFL experience. And I think he came back, he wasn't really running away from something as much as he's all, he realized he had some unfinished business and he had been framed at this, as this affable kind of guy that was fun loving, but could he win? And he obviously at USC uh, demonstrated he could win at least at the college level and, in kind of Seattle where they were, you know, really trying to find themselves. He found the right organization. And so I think he's done enough to really kind of reestablish himself as a uh, and and kind of uh, deal with some of the things that happened to him previously in the NFL. But this win would mean everything to him. Um, I think it would mean a lot in terms of his legacy. You know, as great as Pete Carroll was at USC, you know, you you think about the phenomenal record he has there. He He doesn't – sometimes he doesn't get the love like the Sabans or some of these other quarter uh, coaches get. Um, I think this – and I think a lot of it has to do with how he approaches his coaching style. He's fun-loving. He's not this guy, he's, he's intense, he likes to win. But I think this would do everything for him, given that he made a gut-to decision to go with a, a rookie quarterback who, who people thought were good but didn't know could make it in the NFL after uh, getting this big-time free agent. Spending all that money, but then deciding to go with this quarterback and then showing that it paid off. I think it would be huge for his career and his legacy as a coach.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. You you raised some good points. Uh, he took a gamble. Um, they brought in Matt Flynn, paid him a lot of money for a, a great one-game performance, um, and you know to to make that gutsy move of br- bringing in a five-foot-eleven uh, third round draft choice. That was that was huge. That was huge, and that was that was big. But you know, and I think that goes back to Pete's philosophy. His philosophy has always been about competition. Um, yes. when you read anything about his coaching style and even at USC it was, it was about creating a competitive environment an environment where the guys who started earned it um, they earned their right to start and because they earned their right to start they had to go through a fire before even getting on the field and That's right. you know he kept that philosophy in the pros which is hard to do because guys get, have these things in the pros called paychecks um, and mm-hmm. sometimes there's pressure to play the guys who are getting the biggest paychecks and he bucked that trend you know, he did what needed to be done. Here's another guy I want to throw in. I'm going to have a PhD in on this one. Peyton Manning, how does this change Peyton's Super Bowl perception in your eyes? Not his, his overall. Or I'm sorry, his, uh, his his perception, your perception of him in, uh, overall with a Super Bowl win. Not, ev- not everybody else's, but your personal perception of Peyton, does it change with the win? If it does, how so?
0: So if, if Tom Brady was in the Super Bowl, to me, he could not fall. His, his legacy could only improve. It couldn't go down, regardless of if the Patriots were to win or lose. Peyton Manning is in a different situation. I think he's in a situation where he's kind of on the teeter-totter. Is that what they call that little thing in the playground yeah. Peter Totter. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um yeah. So, so he's right yeah. in the
0: middle. He's right in the middle. And if he wins, it tilts towards the side. Now we can start talking about him as one of the best quarterbacks to ever play. He can legitimately be in that conversation. And and there's no buts. He only has one chip. Well, if they lose that's I think that's gonna put him on the other side where it's going to be less legitimate to have him in that best quarterback of all time conversation, because here's a guy, if they were to lose, who's been to the Super Bowl three times and only won once, in addition to all the playoff losses early in his career. So I think this is a key, key game for Peyton Manning's legacy. He had a great interview with Dan Patrick that I listened to yesterday. And, you know, Peyton has – has done well to steer away from this question um, but if you read him between the lines you can tell it's important to him and he's savoring this week He's he knows he only has a couple of more years at at best and he also knows that it's tough like a lot of things have to go right to get to the Super Bowl and so he's there and he wants to take advantage of it Alright next up next up
1: I'm going to bounce this one back to you, D. Williams. Russell Wilson, Super Bowl win. How does that change his, your perception of Russell Wilson?
2: Well, I mean, I, I looked at him, and, you know, when we're doing the draft, I felt like people were getting caught up in too much of the numbers around height and size. You know, you know, and for, you know we're close to the, you know, the program, seeing him play at Wisconsin. You know, I thought this kid could be really good uh, when he was drafted. Um, What I've been really impressed about, you know, sometimes the professional level, even when you're a solid young person like Russell, (laughs) there's pressure around the professional game. And you talked about people get paychecks. That changes the game a little bit. And, you know, how he would respond to some of those pressures. And I think in recent weeks um, he's gotten a lot of criticism. I I think some of it's unwarranted. Um, I think, you know, he hasn't had a lot of talent on him, but he's done what he needed to do. But I think this, for him, would be, uh, you know, I've listened to Terry Bradshaw, and like Terry Bradshaw, like Brady, you know, when their team, when they won their first Super Bowl, they had a little bit to do with it. it you know, they had a whole bunch of help around them. And I think for him to win the Super Bowl, it would be kind of like that Brady. It would be uh, like the burger when he won. You know, they had something to do with it. They made some plays, but it would be a really good kind of stepping stone and great for him early in his career. Uh, to, to kind of do it, particularly against a great player like Peyton Manning. And the other thing you want to say about it, you know, after the championship game, you know, the the, 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 uh, there, the thing about he went up to Bradshaw and wanted to say, you know, how do I win this thing? That's all you need to know about Russell Wilson. He knew right. who to go to, to Bradshaw and say, what do I need to do to win this? That, that right there says all you need to do. So for those kind of things, it's not going to change a lot for me about how it judge. I think this is a kid that can be great for a long time because he's got the kind of inner strength to do that. But, you know, I think winning this would just be a capstone to what I think is, you know, been a great first couple of years of an NFL career.
1: All right. I keep saying it, man. I keep saying it. I'll keep saying it. He's a black Brady. He's a black Brady. Yes, he
2: is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean,
1: I mean there's, cause there's so many parallels between the way they started. He still doesn't have a go-to receiver. I, I really would love to see this kid with a go-to receiver, you know, and hopefully Percy Harvin can turn into that, 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 that weapon that really helps this offense kind of take that next step and add that passing element. But <clears throat> kids got it. The kids got it, all right? Bouncing back to PhD, John Fox. Now, this is a guy, as a coach, who this is his second Super Bowl. Um, He's had Mm -hmm. success in Carolina before he got to Denver, Um, and all he's done in Denver is win football games. Um, Now, you know, oftentimes and, you know, unfortunately, when you got Peyton Manning as your quarterback, you don't get a ton of credit for being a great coach. Um, in, In your eyes, John Fox, how does this change your perception of him?
0: Uh. <laughs> so, John Fox, we're going to um, bring in the Roy Hibbert rule here. <laughs>
2: here we go. <laughs> he, brought out, he brought out teeter-totter and Roy Hibbert rule.
0: Only on right. RSD
2: are you going to hear those things together. This is what makes us so special. Go ahead. I want to hear this.
0: <laughs> so you asked. What's the Roy Hibbert rule? The Roy Hibbert rule, and the citation is firmly on rsg.com, is that you have a guy who's a who's a special performer, but he just doesn't feel like a special performer when you see him do his thing. Roy Hibbert, <laughs> something about the guy is, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable with him being on an all-star team. Starting on an all-star team, I did. He just, you know... <laughs> there's there's something about him and you know, where it's just like this is a marginal guy putting up big numbers in the playoffs. This is what I feel like about John Fox. John Fox brought a um overperforming Carolina Panther team to the Super Bowl a decade ago, plus, and lost. And if he were to win today he'd have as many championships as Bill Cower. He'd have as many championships as a lot of guys, uh, such as John Gruden. But we feel a lot different about John Gruden and Fox. (laughs) If Fox would win and retire, uh, Fox would not be on Monday Night Football. Um, He probably, very likely, would not be getting a job at ESPN. I mean, maybe Fox Sports Midwest. Uh, or Fox Sports Southwest. <laughs> First, perhaps this is something about the guy. I mean, it's kind of like a little bit. Uh, who's the New York coach? Um, the Giants coach, Coughlin. Uh,
2: Coughlin. Coughlin. Yeah,
0: you know. But once Coughlin won too, you he got a lot more sexier. So. <laughs> I don't think it changes it much for, for for John Fox. If he wins, he'll have speaking engagement income for the rest of his life, but in terms of perceptions, I don't know. I doubt it. Okay. And you would think All right. people would say,
2: and I want to just ask you, Would you think that people would think it's more he won because he had a Manning, but if he didn't have Manning, he's not the kind of coach that would win it. Is that more why you say that?
0: Yeah, I I think so, which which I believe is unfair and then I'll, other people will also point out that he's got a top-notch defensive coordinator in Del Rio. Um yeah, unfortunately. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think I think that that's a fair assessment of the Roy rule definitely is applicable when you talk about John Fox. Now, I want to talk about these two offensive and defensive units. Um Because, you know, there are historical units that go down, whether it's, you know, greatest show on turf, um, you know, the Ravens' D, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' D of the early 2000s, the 85 Bears defense. Um, There are certain units that when they get to the Super Bowl, uh, it submits that unit's legacy um, in in the annals of of football history. Uh, And you have one, you have a Seahawks defense that has, so much character and so much flavor to it with the Legion of Boom, that great secondary, um, all of the speed that they have on this defense, number one defense in the NFL. And then you have the Broncos record-setting offense. Um, Doesn't have a nickname yet, but it'll get nicknamed soon enough. Uh Um, You know, so you have these great great units that are facing off against each other. And, you know, for one of them, they're going to go down in history as either one of the greatest defenses ever Or they'll at least initiate that conversation, and one of the greatest offenses ever. Um, So, you know, you have that element as well for the Seahawks defense. How do you think, you know? How do you guys feel about this defense in the conversation of one of the best ever? I want D Wills. Why don't you you, uh, take that one?
2: Yeah, I mean, what it's, it's interesting as you as you were introducing it, and it just kind of hit me. What's different about even those other defenses, like a lot of times uh, when you talk about those great defenses, there's somebody in the front seven that is, that group is kind of the dominant part of their culture, right? Ray Lewis, Mike Singletary, Dan Hampton, um, you know, Mean Joe Green, you got to do it. What's interesting about this defense, and they got a great front seven, but really the strength that you know that what makes them great sometimes people there's more talk about their defensive backfield. Right? In as leading members, more so sometimes than the than the front seven. You know, usually the front the face of the defense is that linebacker or that D line, Warren Sapp, you know, uh, you know, but on this defense, even though they got those great front seven they don't dominate the headlines the way you would. The interviews in the game are mostly with the defensive backs. You notice that, right? Yep. He's with the safety yep. through the corners. You know, it's not like Ray Lewis or it's not like, you know, uh, you know most of the Ravens is of ways the front seven. You know, Ed Reed every once in a while or safety, but it's really the a backfield are the folks who do it. So it's, it's weird about them, but I think um, if they win this Super Bowl and then they have a great next year. You know that they can get back. Then I think you start talking about this defense doing some things. Um, but I think they would have to come back next year and, and hold ground to be in those conversations. Uh, you know, uh, but it does say a lot about how great Pete Carroll is a coach. Have you ever seen a Pete Carroll team that didn't have a great defense?
0: Damn. So I, I think. Hey, that, and the, the thing I like to bad. add is that. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> You lost me at Dan Hampton. He's a Hall of Famer, really.
1: And, that, and, that's, yeah. and that's the thing that I want. That's the thing I want to highlight, though, is that
0: I think it's about really? the personality Dick. that they
2: bring. Richard Dent. Can I say that or the Fridge?
0: Dan Hampton is a Hall of Famer. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I I don't believe you. I
2: have to Google it. Google
0: it. I think
1: he. I, I'm pretty sure he is. You He's questioning it time. is making me question it because I know you know your stuff, Pac. So no, your question I'm, I'm is making me question it, right it but I'm He's pretty sure. Pro yeah,
2: Football I Hall of
0: Famer, thousand two, oh, so 2002. Like, like, I nice my, call, D. I don't know my stuff. I don't get no credibility. Now, my know,
2: apologies. My like, apologies. P.A.C. is like Bill Walsh, the. You know, I'm a little, I'm a little rough and tumble. I said other stuff. Bill T is for polish. He is that cat. You know, he gonna look good. He gonna look. He gonna look good at the press conference. His, his suit gonna be right. He gonna be tight. He gonna. It's gonna be Bill ass. But I'm in the picture.
0: Right, <laughs> <laughs> right, You in a little room, D, with a big piece hey, of chicken.
2: I hear you. I, I might not get the big piece of chicken, but dang, I'm leave gonna win. it will be like five seats in there. I'm gonna get one. I can't believe y'all would question me, especially since I'm in the Midwest. I would know that. All right. So, but, that. But,
0: my,
2: but my point, my point is, so many of those other defenses are led uh, by Suggs. You know, I have such a dominant front person is like really dominating the headlines. You don't really see that with the CL defense, even though they got a great front seven. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, what I wanted to add was that I think
1: with this particular group, the reason that is is because the personalities are in the secondary, you know. Yeah. And when you had those other defenses, you're talking about the Bears where you got Richard Dent up front. You got uh, McMichael. You got, you know, Richard Dent, the Fridge. You got Singletary. You know, you got a lot of personalities that's, that jump out at you. Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs. You know, you got those guys in that Ravens defense that jump out at you. John Lynch, Derek Brooks, Warren Sapp on those Tampa Bay teams. Those guys had personalities that jumped out at you. I, offhand, I couldn't name a Seattle Seahawks member of their front seven. Offhand, I couldn't. And I, I dare one of you guys to.
0: Red Bryant. Avril, Avril.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Arvo, Arvo Red
0: Bryant. uh, Arvo, Red uh Bennett. Bennett.
2: Bennett. Yeah, but they're he not
0: household names. Marcus. Him. Yeah. Marcus, do you, yeah. would you like for us to continue? Or? No, you're good. You're good. You're good. You, 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 you put your point. <laughs> See, I thought you got
2: Bill not on the line now. Asking, <laughs> you had to you. Sorry,
0: man. You're I, good. I let you're it good. Go, you put your point. <laughs> you know he been studying the roster. Right. Don't want to be He's that guy. I mean, roster. Devon
2: was helping me. He was hyping me, though.
0: You know. Yeah, he
1: was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. <laughs> It's all good. It's all good.
0: <laughs>
2: but
1: but back, back to my point. My point <laughs> being is that, you know, the Earl Thomases, the uh, Cam Chancellor's, the Richard Shermans, when you, that's what you think about when you think about the defense. And, you know, that's their secondary. That's where the personalities are. And those are the people that get the headlines because of the way they play. Because, and, and because it's so rare that secondaries have such an impact um, and they are the personality because usually they don't have that stick your nose in there and, and knock people out kind of mentality. And this secondary is unique in that way where, you know, they're just about, they're just as much as, about big hits as they are about the pick six, you know. Mm-hmm. So transitioning, PAC, let's talk about this Broncos offense and its place historically. We know about the record-setting uh, stats and numbers that they put up. How does a Super Bowl win solidify this offense in your mind among some of the greatest offenses when you're talking about the uh, Buffalo Bills who never won a Super Bowl, but, again, Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reed, you know, James Lofton, that crew was one of the great offenses. Um, And usually offenses don't get a lot of credit because rarely do great offenses win the champion, win it all. You know, the last one I can think of was the greatest show on turf. Um, where they went in as a great offense and won it all. I mean, just took it took it all. The last time we had a record-setting offense in the Super Bowl that was really kind of on a historical level was the, uh, the undefeated Patriots when they came in with Moss and, and Brady and Welker and those guys, and then they lost to the Giants. So how does this impact how you will view this Denver Broncos offense? And they need a nickname. That's the other thing. They've got to get a nickname.
2: Cheap shot. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> the receiver. <laughs> um, <laughs> Belisek didn't even give him a name. He just said the receiver.
2: <laughs> the, the receiver.
0: He <laughs> said the receiver uh, hit to lead. Yeah. So, uh, Marcus, I think you covered it all, really. And I think you did it well. I... You know, you mentioned that, so if the Broncos don't win, they're going to be mentioned like the Patriots that went 16-0, that had that great offense, that had all the records with Moss and Brady throwing, but they didn't win. You're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills who had a high-powered offense but didn't win. Or they can be like the greatest show on turf, who made it to the Super Bowl twice and they won at least once. So essentially I think that's what it is right there if they win, it adds credence to, you know what, your defense can be okay if your offense is phenomenal.
2: And, and I, if I could add, I would say that it's hard well, to you already going. Yeah, well, I, I, that's what I figured I would say if I could add and keep moving. <laughs> I, I figured you let me go out the door, you know, kind, kind, of, kind of like J.R. Smith. I'm just going to go out the door until you catch me. <laughs> Uh, but I can. <laughs> what I would say is it's hard to rate these offenses because of the way the rules allow them to run free. When you think about the great 49 officers, or even Jim Kelly's offense early on, and you think about the rules that were when Marino's offenses, when you think about when these players had to play and make plays, when defense had a lot more freedom to disrupt routes, to hit people and do that, and they still performed at a high level um i think the only thing that hurts offenses today is because the rules play against them and if you think about it seattle is the, seattle has decided to forget the rules they take the penalty seattle is the most penalized team in the secondary so what they've decided to do is at the end of the day you're not going to score you're just going to call flags on us and they've just decided to play that way but most defenses get scared to play that way which allow for these offenses to look even better so that's the 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 ranking has got to be understanding those changing rules
1: okay okay fair enough fair enough all right we go transition all right now the weather let's let's get to talking about the weather now I want you guys' opinion is the is the weather is impact of the weather overrated or underrated? Each take a turn, give me your opinion whether it's overrated or underrated and why. I'm going to start with PhD, overrated, underrated on the weather.
0: I think it's overrated. B. Well, I think it's under. He <laughs> said <laughs> <It's an> overrated. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm just saying this. I think the weather is going to play a big role, and I think it is as big as what they've been talking about. So does that mean underrated or overrated, uh, Mark? <laughs> um.
1: If you think it's – I I, I, it, it, well, what, I, mean, I think people are saying right now that the weather – people are making a big deal about the weather. And so okay. I think you're saying that maybe it's on point. Maybe people should be making a big deal about That's the weather. right. You do think it's going to have That's an impact. Right. You don't think it's overrated. Um, and you might think it's underrated. You might think it's going to actually have more of an impact than people are getting made credit for, if, if you allow me to paraphrase.
0: I think you nailed it, man, because guess what? It's cold. It really is. It's uh you know, I just walked to the mailbox without a pair of gloves on and my fingers start tingling. Okay? In forty five seconds. So the wind chill is negative twenty here in Cleveland. Um, but I, <laughs> I think it's cold, man. That that football going get heavy. <laughs> and so I think it's important. Sorry, Marcus, I just butchered your question, but uh those are just my thoughts, ladies and gentlemen, just my thoughts. Hey, you all good,
1: man? You all good. You all good cuz I I agree. And, and it is cold and if you ain't if you, if you don't live in the Midwest, the polar vortex is real.
0: <laughs> it is a real thing and it hurts. It physically hurts you. <laughs> Oh, so this is round two
1: of the polar vortex. I never want to see one again. I never want to see one of these things again.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: seriously, seriously. D. Oh, is is will, is the impact of the weather being overrated or underrated?
0: I don't even
2: know where to begin. It's, people, his, the, the PAC's answer would tell you how cold it is. Because he's so <laughs> shocked. He, he's still trying to overcome the weather, the, the, the part of the weather, football players are football players. The weather is more of an issue for the fans. The, the key is everybody talking about is wind. The wind will help Seattle. If there's a little bit more wind in that stadium with the new design, I don't know how it's going to be affected. I think the wind will play more of an issue for Denver, uh, would it? Um, you know the prediction is I think what was it like 25 degrees or something like that or whatever. I mean it's going to be cold, but football these football players are play it. That's not going to be a big issue for them. It's going to be the the wind. It's going to be the big. So if it's windy, then I think it's going to have a, a major impact on on the Denver offense and less on Seattle's offense because they're trying to establish a run. They can keep moving the chains. Uh, it allow it allow for the uh, Seattle defensive backs to play a little more aggressively on the ball, um, and be a little bit more physical with it. So I think the part of whether that matters is really the win.
1: All right, I I gotta agree with you. I gotta agree with you. You know, I think it's I think it's you know, and I said this last week. I hope it dumps snow on them. You know, people complaining about it, it is what it is, man. I hope snow falls all over this game. <laughs> I hope it's just snowing and it's snowing and it's snowing. Um, just for something different, you know, just for something different. Yeah. You know, I like to see, the, you know, let's see guys overcome and let's see how how it really does impact the game. You know, I think the media is just mad because it, it, it's cold and they got to be there and they want to be somewhere where it's nice. You know, it's spoiled. It's spoiled. Mainstream media is spoiled. It,
2: it, 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 James, all right? Think about, think about the Super Bowl highlights we watch a lot, the historic ones. They're all like the Green Bay and the Giants one when it was cold. Like, think about the yeah. highlights of the people we, focus on a lot there's a lot of super bowls where they got they breathing cold air think about that mm-hmm. so everybody's talking about mm-hmm. historical things but you look at the early days most of those those championship games are in cold weather and you know and we talk about those are the greatest games ever now all of a sudden because people can't wear shorts it's not gonna be a great game get out of here exactly I'm, I'm
1: with you on that I'm with you on that we right here now another idea that's being bounced around um, by the NFL Competition Committee and the Commission of Goodell, is the idea of expanding the playoffs. Hmm. How, how do you feel about this idea, D. Wills, adding one more team in each conference?
2: And I was making a note on this. What I, what I would have explored before this was getting away from the, the divisional design and having some kind of conference design where people just rotated and played, and then you just took the top six teams. You know, uh, rather than the plan to say just take the top re you know, reshuffle the deck and take the top two teams. Because if you have a division, then the division winner should go to the playoffs. But I think my first step would have been look at some kind of conference strategy where you could rotate when people play and try to do something like that. If not, I don't mind adding more teams to the playoffs. I think it makes it more interesting. The more you can keep fans in. And the quality of play, unlike, you know, basketball or some other sports, won't go down very much. I mean, I think there's not that much difference between these teams who might be in the playoff run. You know, if you think about this year, a Pittsburgh, a Arizona, they would have, they would have played well in the playoffs. They might have even won a couple games in the playoffs. So I think it's good for their fan base in, in keeping the energy there. Um, you know, I don't mind it at, at all. But I probably would have looked at, is there a way to do a conference framework away from the divisional framework that would allow for you to just take – the top six teams, because the problem is a team like Arizona right now should be in the playoffs. But it'd be unfair to not have a divisional winner go to the playoffs. So I think if you had a conference framework with teams just rotated and played differently within that conference framework, then you just take the top six teams. That, that's probably how I would look at it.
1: Okay. What do you? What do you? What are your thoughts, PhD?
0: I like it as long as they don't add an additional round. So. I think if you add a seventh team in each division, I'm sorry, in each conference, it makes the end of the season even more relevant. You have more um, playoff races. I think one way you can do it is instead of giving the top two seeds a bye, just give the top seed a bye, And the two seed needs to play opening weekend.
1: Yeah, I I, I actually like it. At first I wasn't very keen on it. I just don't like – sometimes it just, you know, I think – Sometimes more, more is, is less, less is more, you know, and, you know, when you have the NBA framework where almost half, half of the teams make the playoffs, and the NFL, I feel like, had it right with their playoff format. There was a premium on those spots. You know, there are only six in each conference, 12 out of 32, uh, 32 teams makes it. Um, that's a pretty exclusive group, and that's a pretty big deal when you get in. Um, adding a seventh, I don't think, dilutes that for me. Um I think it enhances it in a couple of ways. I think you can keep the divisional format. What happens is is once the playoffs start, all the, all the division championship does is guarantee you get in. You win your division, you get in. Now, at that point, though, it doesn't guarantee you get the host, which it does now. Once you get in, though, what it does guarantee is that you get to play a game. Then, you know, you take the other seven teams or six teams and you rank them out by record. So, you know, now the seeding goes by – you know, record rather than who won a division. So, and, and it, I think it also raises the premium on having that, getting that one seed, you know, if you get that one seed, you're the only team that gets that week huh. off, you know, and, and that yeah. adds another layer of competitive uh, of competition that, that will play out. And maybe you don't have teams uh, pulling all their starters, you know, last week of the season, you know, mm-hmm. maybe some teams are, are still fighting for that one seed right up until the end. Instead of saying, "Well, you know, we're gonna have a home home game in the first round anyway," you know, so what's the big deal?
0: And Marcus, so, the other know, thing I, that it does is it keeps week sixteen of a week uh, of a seventeen week season relevant. And for me, right. yeah. that's fantasy football. Um, and again, I just you play to win the game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let them know. Let them know. Yes, sir. You play to win the game is absolutely correct. And, you know, I, 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 that, that's an important point. You know, it keeps everything relevant. It keeps folks engaged all the way through to the end, which I think is, is, is a plus. Now, if they go to eight, eh, I don't know. I don't know if there's eight teams in each. To me, that's getting a little bit, again, now you're at that point of where half the teams in the league make the playoffs. You know, you got 16 teams out of 32 making the playoffs. And all you got to do is be in the top half of a league that already promotes parity. I think then you start to water down the product. But I think when you get to seven, I think you're enhancing what's already good about it without overdoing it um, or overkilling it. Because, um, again, in the, in the NFC, you get a team like the uh, Arizona Cardinals now. They're in the playoffs, a 10-win team. And, you know, there are always the 10 or 11, sometimes 11-win teams who don't make the playoffs because they didn't win their division. Um, so this gets those teams engaged and involved, and usually in most scenarios, you're adding another good team rather than a team that's a, a poor performing team. So I think it's a plus all the way all the way around. So you listen to the Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys.com, RSG Renegade Radio. We're talking NFL football. We're about to dig into some of the Super Bowl matchups that we think are going to have a major impact on how the game plays out. Um, I'm going to first start with my man, D. Wills. D. Wills, some of the matchups that you're looking into, looking forward to in this game, do you think this matchup is going to have a uh, tremendous impact on determining who wins this game? Give me one matchup.
2: Uh, I think uh, it's the uh, Denver defensive line against the uh, Seattle offensive line. You know, if Seattle can control the, the ground game and get Marshawn Lynch going, and keep uh, Peyton on the sidelines and not give him any possessions, that's going to be problems for Denver because uh, it allows Seattle's defense to be in attack mode. And so I think that's the matchup right there is really, you know, that Seattle offensive line against that uh, that Denver defensive line. Okay.
1: All right. And I think that's a big matchup, too, because getting pressure on Peyton is going to be key. It's going to be very key. Uh, P.A.Z., when, what matchup do you like? to have a major impact in this particular game. All right, I'll go. <laughs> I'm looking at... I'm looking at the uh, the matchup between Seattle's run game and Denver's front seven. If Seattle's able to run the ball successfully, that's going to allow Russell Wilson to do what he needs to do, where he doesn't have to do too much. You know, he's not at that point in his career where he has one, the weapons, and two, I don't think they have the, the, the steam right now to really for him to really go out and chuck it all over the field um, in a game with a guy like a Peyton Manning. But I think that balance between the run and the pad has to be there um, just to create those easier opportunities for one, the Seattle receivers, who by no means are game breakers, um and Russell Wilson. So I'm looking at the uh Seattle offensive line and their run blocking versus Denver's front four, front seven, um as a key matchup. EHD. What what do you got for your matchup? Your key matchup for this uh Super Bowl?
0: The Seattle defensive backfield versus the receivers for Denver. I tell you what, man. <laughs> Denver's like, pick your poison. They pretty much like Denzel, Alonzo, and, and Training Day. How you want this, Jake? I'm surgical with it. I mean, you want my <laughs> tight end to come at you? Okay, you want me to give it to you to tight end? Which tight end? Because Tammy's been playing well in the playoffs, too. Okay? Um, we got three legitimate receivers we can throw at you in Decker, in Welker, and in Thomas. You know, our running backs. Can't catch the ball out the backfield So to me man That's the biggest matchup Because Richard Sherman can only catch One guy I mean, He he can only cover one guy In the words of my man um, from, from Varsity Blues I'm just one man So that's all that Sherman is So if you want to put him on Thomas Okay fine What you going to do against Decker And what you going to do against Welker
1: yeah. Yeah. I I'm I'm with you on that. That's that's gonna be key. Um, you know, that secondary is gonna have to earn its its, it's nickname, it's gonna have to earn its keep, it's gonna have to really defend his reputation because the Denver crew is uh is coming for him and, and it's, coming, it's coming to cause some problems. L O B baby. <laughs> you don't know how many people thought that that was something else, a gang or, or, or something. They just they just didn't know. <laughs> they just didn't know. All right. So that'll do it for our NFL talk. We're going to transition, but first, we got to pay some bills. Again, you listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. Here you go. Now we're going to get into our Resistance Digital Dog of the Week. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to you technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at for your custom technology solutions today. All right. You're to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG. Renegade Radio brought to you by Resistance Digital. We're going to get talking about the NBA right now, all right? The NBA season is in full effect. We're in the throes of January heading into the all-star break. We're about halfway through the season, um, halfway through the schedule, and things are starting to heat up. In particular, uh, you have Kevin Durant, who is on fire. By 11 straight 30-point games, 30-plus-point games, including a 51-point game, a, 46, a couple 40-point games, one 46, I think another one 44, wow, something like winning. that. Wow, winning. Exactly. So, wow, first off, winning. we need to have a conversation Is Kevin Durant your MVP as of right now? He will.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, given, you know, the injury to Russell Westbrook and the way in which he's really uh, stepped up in his game, uh, he's the leading uh, candidate, uh, also the best nickname he does. not like the Slim Reaper. Uh, the, The show he put on last night, I mean, we can't even talk about the game winner. you got to talk about the other shots he hit before the game winner. Um, he is just uh, elevating his game and being aggressive in ways I was hoping he would be. Um, and he's he's growing in so many different ways before our eyes. So, yeah, hey, I think he's the leading candidate. And he strikes fear in everybody when he steps on the court. You know, it's like you can tell people are like, man, I hope he's just cold tonight. They're just hoping he's going to miss. And he's just killing folks. So, I think he's the lead leading person coming out the gate, given what he's trying to make up for. Okay,
1: uh, P.A.D., is, is Durant is Durant your guy or what?
0: Man, so uh, <laughs> this is tough for me because you know I like LeBron James more than a little bit. Yes. Okay. okay. Okay.
1: All right. Now I'm gonna take this a step further. I'm gonna really, oh, I'm like gonna really know. put the screws to you guys. I'm gonna really put the oh, I'm screws ready to you guys. One. Is Kevin Durant the best player in the world today? No.
2: I, I'm, I'm about to wave my, my I'm waving my matumbo finger right now. <laughs> if you can, if you, viewers, if you can sense, I got a long finger going back and forth. I'm waving that matumbo like I slapped it off the glass. Nah, 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 nah. Not, not. No, he's not.
1: No? Okay. So what, no. needs, what, what does he need to do? Where, where does he need to go?
2: Well, I, I'll, let me add this in and then I'll take a step back. Um, you know, they're making the comparisons between him and LeBron, and all the legitimate comparisons are on the offensive end of the court, but where the separation comes in with LeBron, which makes LeBron the best player in the world, is his impact on both ends of the court and all aspects of the game. And, you know, LeBron is a, is, is a uh, defensive player of the year candidate, as well as he could be an offensive player of the year candidate, as well as he could be an MVP, where I think Kevin will uh, need to continue to grow. And he's he's made some strides this year. I mean, uh, you know, really learning to use his length on defense. He doesn't have to be as dominant as LeBron, but understand that he has size, he has ways that he can – affect the game on defensive end. I think he's still learning how to do that, uh, whereas LeBron is much more superior player. You can put him on, you know, he's literally played five different guys on the defensive end of the floor, and what he does in terms of creating offense from defense, that's something that Kevin doesn't have in his game yet, whereas LeBron can affect on the offensive end, and so they compare all the statistics, around field goal percentage, efficiency, all that stuff on the offensive end, but LeBron can create offense from defense, and create stops in ways that Kevin has yet to grow to do that.
1: Okay. Okay. PAD, your assessment? Or are you going to let the testimony stand?
0: I'm reneging. I think LeBron James is the best player this year. I <laughs> man,
2: wrong. He, he said, I got to go back to Cleveland for you <laughs> Go through your thing Because you do your people outside the window yelling at you I think <laughs> you're crazy
0: <laughs> Yeah I, yeah, I got to redig, I think- man I I tell you what LeBron James is shooting 58% from the field Right now
1: yeah. He's shooting just yeah. as
0: Durant Just as well as Durant from three uh roughly thirty eight, thirty nine percent from three. So he's pretty much close to forty percent. And he's not shooting nearly as much. He's shooting uh last time I checked yesterday he's got about sixteen field goal attempts per game and Durant is putting up significantly more than that. I mean roughly twenty. So I mean that's that's a difference of four for those that were unsure. So I it's tough it's tough for me to say this, because to me it goes back to that year Carl Malone won the MVP. And everybody knew Jordan was the better player. Uh, ninety seven, ninety eight one one of those two years, and Malone had slightly better numbers than what he normally did, but that didn't mean that Mike was not the better player. He was not the most. He was still the most valuable player to his team. And so, you know, Mike had went, they had went 72-10 and 10 the year before. And so now all of a sudden they're not winning as much, uh, this, this, and that. Pippen's out. I see a lot of comparisons to what's going on right now in the Miami Heat. Yeah. Wade is, I don't know what's going on with, with with Dwayne Wade. I think they're trying to conserve his minutes. But they're bringing this cat off the bench. So when you weigh all that in, I just can't. I can't do it. I tried to do it, Marcus, and I just didn't feel good for the last four minutes. So, yeah, sick in my stomach. Hey,
1: I, I understand. I understand. You know, it, it's you know the greats supposed to clash at the top, you know. And KD right now is is he's I, I would say he's closing the gap, but it's still the bronze world. And D Wills, I think you hit it on the head. LeBron has the same impact he has offensively as he does defensively. He impacts the game the same at an extremely high level, might I say, on both ends of the floor, where I think KD right now is just a dominant offensive force. He's a solid defender, but offensively, goodness gracious, he can do a whole lot, you know. But I don't think – I think he will win MVP um, just because he is having an amazing season. Uh, is he the I best player in the world, No.
2: What I want to add, to is that, you know, in all the things that we said about LeBron, I think it's true, and we're not going to debate it, but he still has, uh, you know, Bosh there carrying a load. If you look at Oklahoma, you know, they, they, they have some people carried every night, but it's like Benny and the Jets. You know, it's, he like, you know he's like, like, you know, these cats are like he playing. It's, sometimes it's KD in the altar boys. You know they, Cass just don't step up, and so he carrying it every night in a way that LeBron at least gets some reprieve. You know when when Wade is healthy enough to pull his Ginobili moment, or Bosh is doing it every night. Bosh is still a premier player in the league. He got him going. So there are moments where he gets some help somewhere where I, I see KD not doing it for most valuable player. You know not not best player, which is different. <laughs> You know, most valuable player. You know, KD gets hurt. They in, a, they, they, they in all kinds of other stuff. You know. Uh, and in and I
1: think City. to me, it's about how you look at the MVP award. You know, sometimes, you know, I think we get it. It's like this in all sports. Is it the best player or is it the guy that had the best season? Now, again, yeah. as, as as you said, PAZ, LeBron is leading the league in true shooting percentage. All right. That's a, you know, that's an advanced stat that combines your free throw percentage, your three-point percentage, and your, your field goal percentage, he's shooting 65%. 65.9, best in the league. Now Kevin Durant is third. All right, KD is third. But, I mean, LeBron is, I mean, it's almost effortless. It seems like he's not trying, but he's still, he's so efficient. He, get, he gets stuff done. I mean, he's getting stuff done on, on less touches. It's, it's hard to argue but, but that Barton the best he, player. He, he, but,
2: he, but he can do that because he has other people creating space and opportunities. And he does some stuff on his defensive end that allows him to be efficient. But having a guy like Bosch and some other you – know, if, if Kevin's not running the offense, sometimes Kevin taking a, a contested shot is better than the cat got the open shot. <laughs> That's the kind of team he got.
0: You know what I'm saying? It's better than Perkins like, with I mean, an open shot every Parker.
2: all 25 minutes. Perkins is on
1: the floor. KD contested is better than Perkins taking any type of shot.
0: Yeah,
2: they basically playing when Kay, when 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 he's a, and Perkins get mad, but when Perkins on the floor, he's a liability. He's like it's like four on five on offense, you know. So his efficiency gonna go down because he has to take more contested shots because he got fewer cats on the floor to actually create offense. For themselves, or do anything, uh, versus what LeBron is allowed to have the game come to him a little bit. On top of he gets some easy ones because of defense to offensive transition. So I, we do have to acknowledge what allows him to be efficient. Okay, and,
1: and just, just to jump into my stats, my my advanced stats, KD is leading the league in win shares. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> I was just going to ask you, and, and and perhaps you can share that to. The listeners and us. Uh, what website do you go to find web- yes. wind shares? Because it took me about ten minutes and I was unsuccessful. <laughs> basketballreference.com. Oh. Right. Basketballreference.com. They're gonna help
1: you
0: yeah, at all. You can, you actually, yeah, you
1: can get you can get all you can get lots of advanced uh, statistics there. Uh, they got it all for you. So it's it's a great place to go um, if you want to kind of really dig in to to some stats and in a, in a different kind of way. Um, and there's some new stats that are out there that are interesting that, you know, I haven't had a chance to get into yet because I'm, I'm busy. But when I when the offseason hits, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be looking for some new stats to help me understand the game a little bit differently. Um, but, yeah, KD's number – I mean, he's also number one in offensive win shares, and he's number six in defensive win shares. Um, so he, he, he's doing it on both ends. Again, it's his, it's his impact as uh, – pronounced as LeBron's, um, the stats say so, but the eyeball test says no. So that, that, that's where I'm at. I, I think KD is MVP. LeBron's still the greatest in the world. KD's closed the gap a bit, but he's still got a way to go um, before it's really a, a who, who's the man kind of a conversation. Before it goes, Nas, Jay-Z um, in the early 2000s. Um, KD's got a way to go He's got a way to go He's got to put out some more hot albums Have some more hot years Before we go full out We need to see who's got the ether and the takeover um, in, in their pocket uh, So that, that's where I'm going with that I don't know about you guys I don't know about you guys uh, I, I'm Moving along Moving along uh, David Stern His uh his run as nba commissioner is going to come to a close in the next couple of weeks now he has overseen the league through its biggest growth period um and you know it's it's a growth period that i don't think was foreseen um before he came in and that i mean that's obviously evident when you think about the spirits of st louis uh for example the uh aba team that was was sold <laughs> Uh, for the right to to TV money. And now they're making the owners who don't even own a team in the NBA anymore uh, get $300 million per year for NBA TV TV money for doing absolutely nothing. St. Louis spirits. (laughs) Right. You know, and they they do absolutely nothing and get $300 million. Wow. So the league has seen ridiculous growth. Um, it has truly become an international game um, with, you know, you have players from all over the world playing. You have leagues all over the world that are viable leagues um, where that provide opportunities for players to go over and play professionally for good money. Um, you know, David Stern has overseen all of that. saw the league through Michael Jordan's career um, has – Seen it and guided it through the time after Mike and then the ride with Kobe and Shaq and the Lakers and now LeBron and the Heat. And there have been a lot of great things that have happened. Um, The media deals that he's struck um, to get the the NBA is is probably, to me, one of the most progressive leagues as far as how it markets itself, how it puts itself out there, um, how it offers its fans tons of information on what's going on on the court, off the court. Um, It's been at the forefront even when you go back to shows like, you know, inside stuff, you know, that were marketed to Mm -hmm. kids, but they gave kids an inside look and a connection with their players off the court. You know, the NFL has never had a show like that. Baseball has never Mm -hmm. had a show like that where you got to get to know guys in a different way, get to know the players in a different way. And those are things that David Stern oversaw um, during his tenure. So I just wanted to kind of, as as it closes, you know, as D. Stevie begins to step down, what are the things that you guys are going to remember from the David Stern era of the NBA? PhD, you go first.
0: The salaries and, and just how you have from the early 80s, Magic Johnson getting a $1 million contract was a big deal. to now the league minimum being... For veterans, being five times that amount, actually six times that amount this year, so the owners' pockets got fat. The the fans, us, we got a better product, and also the players also benefited a great deal.
1: Okay, yeah the the money is the money is is excellent. Um, the league is, is not hurting for cash at all. Um, you know, when when Kobe gets to sign a uh, a forty eight million dollar contract, you know that's a pretty big deal for a dude who's thirty six, thirty seven years old. Um, right. You know, player contracts are are you know you get you get you get guys like Roy Hibbert who you know they have an impact, but they don't quite pass the eyeball test. He's making fourteen million a year. You know he's getting max money. Brooke Lopez is getting max money. The highest played player in the league is uh, Joe Johnson, folks. Uh,
0: <laughs> Ooh, so I, you know what's Joe Jackson? What's uh, Joe Johnson's nickname, Marcus? You gave it a few summers ago.
1: ISO Joe or uh, or uh, the the expiring Joe Johnson's
0: expiring <laughs> contract? That one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Every time I see him, I think about that. <laughs> Hey, it's almost time.
1: It's almost time. I think we got one more year, and then that, that that's what he'll be known as, is Joe Johnson's expiring contract. Um, he's still got a couple more years of ISO Joe, but Joe Johnson's expiring contract is coming up real fast. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, the money is good. The money is good. And, and David Stern, again, he, he has it so that, you know, NBA players are very recognizable um, more people probably know Blake Griffin's face you know he's a top 10 guy before Richard Sherman snapped out even though he's probably arguably the best corner in the league nobody knew who he was if you if you walked down the street you know I'd say 80% of people in America wouldn't be able to point out Richard Sherman I'd probably say a, a higher percentage of folks would be able to point out Blake Griffin you know and I think they're comparable in their standing as far as being a star in their league um. So he's done a lot as far as helping players market themselves, helping the league market itself. D. Will's, what will you remember Dave, from Dave, David Stern's tenure?
2: Uh, part of it is David Stern realizing that part of being a commissioner is being the custodian of the league, uh, and that sometimes um, means not leading uh, based on what the public opinion might bring. But at the same time, that expansion is a sophisticated type of opportunity. We talk about it being a global game, but what Stern did, part of how the NBA did it was they first deployed coaches to do clinics with other coaches around the world in these different uh, areas. They created, um, like they have in Africa, this these future programs where they do this player development at young ages and they begin to develop that way in very sophisticated ways that then allow for when the dream team was on the scene, create this moment for this kind of explosion of this kind of international player. But the seeds for that have been planted early on by having coaches doing clinics in Europe and, and, and doing some of the things that helped to lay the groundwork for strengthening the European league and other leagues around the world. And so you know, that type of, you know, that expansion is a sophisticated effort. Sometimes you think about the NFL trying to get into London. It seems so clunky. You know what I'm saying? People are criticizing it. Can it work? It, it, you know, you don't, you don't, it doesn't feel as sophisticated as Stern understanding the cultural dynamic, the nuances, how to get into markets, uh, and that he sometimes pushed against things that on the surface created pushback. I remember the whole thing around the dress. I was one of the few things about, you know, all the stuff we looked at. But what that did for beginning to shape, you know, you see the way cats come to the podium now. <laughs> they come with some style, but they create some whole different dynamic. And so, you know, all these different things, I think, he's understanding that being a commissioner means being a custodian, and there, sometimes you're not uh, happy. He is the original line stepper. He is the original. He did it before Goodell. But he did it seemed like he did it with style where Goodell is kinda of clunky.
0: <laughs> you know,
2: he kinda of slides yeah. across the line. He slides <laughs> across the line. You're like, did he just step across the line? Like you don't even know. It's like <laughs> it's like watching somebody shoot a three pointer and they gotta go in close to see if he's on the line. That that is whereas, you know, with Goodell it, you're like, Oh, he all on the line. He over <laughs> the line. You know, he got he, you complaining, you're getting the T on him. Whereas it's yeah. always seen like Stern slid across the line. And before you know it, he, then he moved the line. He moved, he moved the line. He slid across the line. you like, did the line move? You, can, you didn't even know the line moved because he didn't know he stepped, but then he moved the line. That's how smooth he was at times, and I think that was part of what he believed to be being a commissioner.
1: And on top of that, on top of being able to slide across the line, being able to move the line, then when you waited for, when you watched, and you waited for him to slide, and you watched, and you waited for him to move the line, when you was watching for those moves, because those are his go-to moves, he made you think the line was somewhere else. <laughs>
0: you know what I mean? Like
1: he would go on the other side of the line and make you think I was I'm supposed to be over here. <laughs> and you start thinking maybe he maybe the line was, maybe he didn't cross the line. Maybe this is the right side of the line. Maybe he's supposed to be on this side of it. You know what I mean? And he makes you question uh, <laughs> what a line was to begin with. <laughs> so you know that's Dave, that's David Stern though, man. And the things I remember, you know, are you know the, the genius ways in which he again he figured out how to market players, um, and he he allowed players, in, I think in 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 more ways than I think any other league, he embraced who players were and ran yeah. with it when you talk about Michael Jordans, when you talk about the Allen Iversons, you know, taking what a guy is and just running with that, you know, and saying, look, we're going to roll with this and this is who he is. We can use it. We can market it. It resonates with a certain population uh, and we're going to go with that. You know, we don't have to always pan to a certain sector of a society. You know, we can be as diverse as our league is. And that's the other thing, the diversity that exists within the NBA is unlike no other league, and I think that gets overlooked so much. Mm -hmm. Having African-American coaches in the NBA is not a big deal at all. Why? Because there are a ton. You know, having African-American executives in the NBA is not a big deal because they have a ton, you know. And the NBA has, you know, female referees, female executives. It has made a lot of progress, more progress than any other sports league, as far as breaking down some of those diversity barriers. And that all happened under David Stern's watch. You know, it it yeah. evolved. They moved way beyond the white boys' club, um, the old boys' club, a long time mm-hmm.
0: ago.
1: Um, whereas mm-hmm. I think the NFL still has to uh, kind of evolve a little bit further where baseball kind of has to evolve a little bit further. In those areas, the, uh, the NBA has, has, has long, long been more advanced in those particular areas as far as diversity goes, um, in leadership positions, and also in, in, the, in the style in which players are presented and players are, you know, players can be. You know, everybody doesn't have to be Peyton Manning. You know, every quarterback is trying to be like Peyton Manning. Every coach is trying to be like Bill right. Everybody, You know, and there isn't that, that openness to different styles, different ways of, of being successful. Whereas in the NBA, you can really be, you know, yourself for the most part. You know, you can have, you know, a a LeBron, you know, exist in the same league within a 10-year span as an Allen Iverson. You know, very different types of players. And you can juxtapose those two guys with a Tim Duncan, who is also very different, you know. And, again, the NBA allows guys to be themselves and figures out a way to make guys who have personality be marketable. You know, Blake Griffin, you know, these guys – They can be marketed because of who they are, but they don't have to fit into a box, so to speak. They just got to play well.
2: Yeah, and I would add that, you know, I I love it. I mean, you really, and that to me is really the, I mean, you just laid out the legacy of of David Stern when you you talked about the makeup of the league from coaches and executives. And even thinking about what just happened here with Richard Sherman, that's not a big, that wouldn't be constructed in the same way, that has been kind of set up in the NFL. And, again, people juxtaposing him against not even understanding his background to being, why is he not more like Peyton? Whereas, you're right, in, in the game in the NFL, I mean, in the NBA, there are all those characters, and they're smart and crazy. I mean, someone like Dennis Rodman is still seen as having a high, high uh, basketball IQ, even, even though, though he's running around North, even though he, he run around North Korea, trying to do
0: something
2: but yeah but yeah i game, still have i don't
1: think he knows what he's trying to get done know, you know,
2: he's he gonna end up in you end up on something but these anyway. guys have
0: left their family they have left their family <laughs> really okay <laughs> right okay. right, right. What that means. no one knows what it means but it's provocative no it's not as good the people going yeah. Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> on point.
2: On point. <laughs> no one knows what it means. <laughs> They're leaving their family. All right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think you captured Stern. <laughs> we got to drop that tape, man. That that one is that was textbook game changer. I think we we got to drop that somewhere out there in the in the, yeah. in the in the in the sphere to capture that moment. We should send that to David Stern. He might <laughs> right. Have see if we can get him on. He
1: gonna he gonna have some time on his hands.
2: Don't yeah, no, we, don't get him we don't get him wrong. We don't get him wrong.
1: But, you know, the league is in a great place right now. Um, it has a ton of talent that's in its prime. Um, when you talk about LeBron, Kevin Durant, uh, you know, Carmelo Anthony, you know, all of the guys that we look to as the, the top players in the league, they're in their prime. Um, and it's in a very good place. Um, and I think – it's also in a place where a lot of ownership has figured out how to better run teams. You know, there's still some teams that are a mess, but, you know, the the, the blueprint has been laid out of how you get good and how you stay good. And, you know, a lot of teams are, are you know, trying to go about their own way of figuring out how to get to that point. Um, so, you know, he's leaving the league in a very good spot. So, you know, hats off to David Stern um, and, and his career uh, with the NBA, He's taking it to new heights. Um, hopefully Adam Silver and uh, Mark Tatum, who will be the new deputy commish, can take it yeah. even further um, and, and, and take it beyond. You know, there's still some things that I think, you know, again, I'm still I, expansion is great, but I think at this point, you know, less is more. And, you know, if they broke down the league into, you know, two 12-team uh, uh, conferences, I'd love that. I love that. You know, there's some markets that we can get rid of. But, you know, it's all about the dollar sign. You know, cash moves everything around me. <laughs> so I want, I, want, I want to get into something with you guys, all right? play a little game called cut, bait, or wait, all right? Is it time to cut, bait on these guys or do we want to wait and see where things go? All right, we got about 10 minutes. We can play this. Then we got to get into the dog of the week. You're listening to The Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. We're in the midst of NBA talk. Uh, we're going to talk about there's some players out there who have been rumored to be on the block or possibly leaving their teams in the near future. Uh, trade deadlines coming up. You know, all-star time is always a uh, great great time for deals to happen, deals to get done. So I'm going to throw out a name. I want you guys to give me whether or not you couldn't bait or you're going to wait. Um, first name we got, Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin's name has been tossed around in some trade proposals that are out there. One for Carmelo Anthony, you've heard his name mentioned. Um, In some other trade scenarios this summer, his name got tossed around as far as trying to bring Dwight Howard to the Clippers. Um, What do you guys think? If you're the Clippers, are you cutting bait or are you going to wait and keep Blake? D. Wills.
2: Uh, if you if you can't if you don't believe he has the will and commitment to develop his low post game, if you just don't think it's in it, if Doc has told you that, then you cut it. Because I, I so what think what are you doing? So what are you doing? What do you believe? That's what I want yeah, to know. What I, you I, 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 I'm, 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 then, then I'm gonna say cutting because I just don't think I don't see it.
0: Oh my! You know, wow. Oh I might, okay. If I, <laughs> if,
2: I, if I get if I Carmelo or something like that, to because cause what the Clippers need, they need somebody who can who can score in the box when they need him to, and Carmelo can give you that. He can give you in a short, skinny post. He can give it to you down on the block, and he can stretch it out. Uh, if I can move and get somebody like that, a superstar who can get some baskets close to the rim and get the fouls with somebody like Doc Rivers coaching, then I'll cut him.
1: Mm. Mm. Okay. So you all in on Blake Carmelo. You, you, you'd make that deal, huh?
2: Yeah, I, I will because you got a person. Uh, I think uh, Melo still got Wills on it. I trust Doc as a coach. And the Clippers' problem, if you watch them in the playoffs, is that when you need somebody to get baskets and you got to get somebody who can get down post and draw the double team, you know, you you were hoping that Blake could grow and be that guy. But you know, other than Chris Paul, I mean, Chris Paul was probably some of the best, sometimes their best post player down there. And it was their guards, and I and I think you need a big or someone who has size who can get you easy baskets close to the rim and draw double teams. And Blake, if Blake is not willing to develop his skills like that, you got to cut him. And I think you got Doc can manage all the other personalities.
1: Okay, okay. So you you P A Z, what's your thoughts on that? Devon just traded Blake Griffin for Carmelo Anthony.
0: So I also go cut bait. But, Devon, if you're going to make that move, you've got you to gotta make Carmelo sign a rider in the, in the contract that he cannot dribble more than five dribbles <laughs> <laughs> without either shooting or passing. And the only time he can do that is if uh, Chris Paul is out of the game. That's, that's the only what, way it works.
2: What I would say is I trust there's very few coaches who can get him to do what he needs to do, and Doc Rivers is one of those coaches. And because he has a proven record, and so and he's worked with personalities like that, so I I don't have a problem with that because I know Doc is going to do what he needs to do with him to make him do what he needs to do.
0: Because here's the thing: if Carmelo goes to the Clippers and does what he does in New York, it'll look just like the South. I'm sorry, the Lakers with Kobe Bryant and Steve Nash. Steve Nash to be in fact for Steve Nash to be effective, he has to be the primary ball handler. And when that happens, he makes everybody around him better. A healthy Steve Nash. Well, that's the same thing with Chris Paul. Everybody around him gets better when he's the primary ball handler. How will that work? <laughs> I love Doc Rivers, man. But I mean, that's like pulling a rabbit out of his woo. You know, I mean, that's that's just not going to happen to get Carmelo to well, do hold that.
2: Hold up, hold up, hold up. You watch Carmelo's been one of the best players in the international game with other players. And Carmelo doesn't play like that when he plays with other cats. I think Chris Paul and Doc, you see Carmelo play in other places on the Olympic team. He doesn't play like that when he's playing around cats who command him strong to play a point. different way. It's
0: a strong point. He doesn't point, play like huh? that. It's a strong point. And, I mean, you pulled that card out. It's a little bit unfair because you know that I love – I mean, right now on my screen right now, I, I'm i looking at the FIBA World Championship for 2014. So uh, you brought me over to the other side. Well done. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So we got some more names. We got some more names we got to get into before
2: we wrap this up. Mark the change, Game
1: Changer. <laughs> Consider it, Mark. Consider it, Mark. All right. The next name on the list, Kevin Love. All right. I'm going to start with you, PhD. Cut beta weight.
0: You wait. You wait because he... He's the best thing Minnesota's had since Kevin Garnett, and they're not going to get anything close to him in return. Even if you got three borderline all-stars or two all-stars and a borderline third, um, I, I just don't think you let him go, man, because you've got enough pieces around him. I would package the young pieces that they have to get a solid veteran a couple of veterans that can work with him opposed to giving away your centerpiece.
1: Okay, okay, all right. But what if, what if, what if you know, he might leave. He might leave.
0: So then what? How many years does he have left on this deal right now? I think this is his last year. I think he can opt out after this year. year.
2: Yeah.
1: Ooh. So this trade deadline is your last opportunity. To guarantee that you get something back for his services,
0: because uh, there's no guarantee to, you're gonna keep them. You cut bait, okay. Because if I'm Kevin Love, I'm not going back to Minnesota. <laughs> Good luck trying to get him go back.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Poem? I agree, especially. Yeah, see, I was gonna say, especially with this uh, polar vortex rolling around.
0: <laughs> um, I'm out.
1: <laughs> you know, I love LA. So you cutting bait on 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 love if you if, if, with the uh, possibility he'll opt out. D wills,
2: what's your assessment? I feel like that unless I can get him in the room with Prince and convince him, we cut bait. You know, Prince could sing something, maybe get Apollonia in the room, somebody like that. We gonna cut bait. Where uh, Apollonia is fifty now? I don't think but she's, she's moving, moving the needle yeah. no more, man. I'm sure I'm going good. Get
0: more day in there singing,
2: stuff like that. She's <laughs> for him. Right. Mm-hmm. That was a 12-year-old divide talking about she looked good. Right. It's got six Chrysler Arena. She had the camera saw. But, uh, yeah, Chrysler Arena. I, I, I digress. Uh, but I, I will, yeah, I, I would, yeah, unless I knew. I gotta try and get what I can. You're right. Minnesota, you know, they're in a tough situation because they can't keep anyone. But you know, they got to build stuff around Ricky Rubio. You know. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I say I think you got to cut bait and see what you can do. See if you can go in a different direction because you're gonna lose him. Um, I think you have to know that by now. He's gone. Um, and if you don't get anything for him, then you look <laughs> extra dumb. You look extra dumb. Um, last one. Last one for the road. D. Wills, you start this one off. Rayjean Rondo, cut bait away.
2: Cut bait. I mean, you've already been uh, moving that direction. You had a good rhythm going when he was coming back. I would give him some exposure, let people know that he's moving back to health, find you a, a team that really needs a leader to take him over the top, and then uh, move him, try to get you some pieces back, or try to uh, – you know, see if that's going to continue to get you some draft picks. But I think they got a nice young nucleus they've been playing without them. You got a new young coach. I think you just complete the you could finish the job you started in moving.
0: Okay. 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 Uh, PHD, what are your thoughts on that? Cut bait and get a get some draft picks or a couple of players back quick. I mean, as soon as you can.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I'm kind of with you. Um, you know, he's already kind of been reported as a malcontent, a little bit temperamental. I just can't. You can't roll with a guy like that when you know stuff is gonna be rough. You know, it's like having that having that girlfriend that, that you know met you when you were riding high and you was you know spending 150 dollars on dinner, and now you know the, the the recession hits and the economy bad, and she got she got these expensive tastes. You just know right. it's not going to end well. You know it's not going to go right. So that's one where you might say, you know what, I'm going to have to tighten my belt. And I know that you're not about that. So you know, let's just go ahead and end this real quick. You know, and, and that's the situation with uh with Rondo. I think I think you know when when, when stuff is going well, cats, cats are good. Everybody everybody's chilling. When cats are losing, you know, not so hot. Not so hot. So we we're gonna end this edition of Cup Beta Weight.
0: Right, Marcus, I'm gonna we'll have to it. say that, that that scenario, uh, with with the tightening of your belt and we're gonna to to end this real quick, it came off your song real smooth like you've said it a few times.
1: I don't know what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I have no idea what you're talking about, Bill. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: uh, let's give into to the dog of the week. Here we go. Now we're going to get into our resistance digital dog of the week. Resistance digital solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to you technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So what did the real sports guys do? we contact the Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads, the PCs, the flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at for your custom technology solutions today. All right. You know how it goes, D. Wills. I'm going to need you to weigh in first, my man. I'm going to hit you off like this.
2: We need more dogs. Uh, my dog of the week is Old Canada, Nick Stauskas. Staus- who was uh the U.S. uh basketball player uh basketball writers uh Oscar Robertson National Player of the Week. He had twenty two point five points, three point five rebounds, four point five assists, one steal per game, shot fifty-seven percent from the field, sixty percent from three point range, wins over Iowa, Michigan State, and Wisconsin, uh big Nick.
1: Okay. All right, all right, PHD. You
0: know how it goes. Who you got? Nice uh, nice pick there, Devon. Stoska's game, man, has improved so much. Uh, my dog of the week. I'm going to go with Ramoki Huma. He's been on our show a couple of times. He is the president of the National uh, Association, uh, the National Player, uh, Collegiate Player Association, and they're making some big moves right now, man. He's representing a group of players, um, college players, including the guys at Northwestern. They're getting really close to kind of having a unionized situation. ramogi has been on our show many times over the last couple of years, so I just want to say thanks for fighting for the players and uh, real proud for all the accomplishments from
1: Yeah, and Ramogie was going to be my dog of the week because they are making some headway towards being able to unionize um, and just moving the conversation forward to a place yeah. where maybe something actually happens, something changes, and something gets done. So hats off to him and his organization and all the folks that are supporting him and working with him. Um, Hats off to all those folks. Uh, That'll do it for this edition of The Real Sports Guys. The Renegades. We'll catch you next week, same time, same place. Until then, be easy and be blessed. Peace.